welcome to the Holistic You podcast. I'm your host, James Wyler. The purpose of this podcast is to teach you the things you didn't get taught in school, to teach you the things your parents didn't teach you about living a balanced life, from career through to spirituality, knowledge through to inspiration, exercise through to wealth, and nutrition through to relationships. We help inspire you with the confidence for your own personal development journey. Welcome back, everyone. Today, I have the absolute pleasure of welcoming Gaj Ravichandra. I think I got that right, Gaj. Perfect, man. Yeah, onto the show. Now, Gaj has actually just got back from Dubai. He was involved in doing some work in his consultancy, uh, Compass Consultancy. But Gaj is a international career path strategist and executive coach. And really, I wanted to get Gaj on the show today to talk about two major topics. The first one being, you know, what do we want to do when we grow up? And the second one being, you know, once we know what we want to do, how can we be really good at it? Um, obviously, there's a bit more, more to it than that, but we'll jump straight in. Gaj, welcome to the show. Great to be here, James. Thanks for having me, mate. Absolute pleasure. So, Gaj, just to start off with, can you just give us a bit of background about you? So, can you tell us a little bit about your why of what you do? Yeah, sure. So, um, I guess uh, if we go way back, right, I, I was actually born in Sri Lanka. I moved to Australia um, in the early 80s. Um, there was a lot of civil war and unrest, you know, in Sri Lanka at that time. And so, I think my parents decided that we wanted to move to a safer place. So my dad was an engineer. He used to work on uh, airports and building airports. So he, um, we migrated to Canberra. And so we grew up in Canberra in Australia. And my dad used to go and travel weekly to go and build, uh, sort of help build the uh, Perth International Airport at the time in the 80s, which was great. So had a wonderful upbringing there. I think very early on, mate, I realized that I really enjoyed helping people and solving people's problems. Uh, I'm very much an empath. And so I was able to connect with people emotionally from quite a young age. So I think that helped me. I didn't know what I was going to do with it at the time, but I think, you know, it was something that was evident to me. Um, when I got to, you know, year nine, year 10, year 11, I really didn't know what I wanted to do in particular. In our culture and our background, you know, there are like four professions, right? There's accounting, engineering, law and medicine. Right. That's what most Sri Lankans or those from the <laughs> subcontinent would kind of typically yeah, do. Yeah. I know I didn't want to do any of those. Right. And so it was a really difficult challenge for me to talk to my parents about this concept of psychology and what that meant. And you got to think about this is going back over 25 years ago. We started talk, having this conversation. And so uh, went into psych. I did my six years sort of undergrad and postgrad and then um, joined a consultancy business uh, that was based out of the UK here in Australia. Got very lucky, mate, with some very good mentors and leaders um, who sort of believed in me and gave me some opportunities. Worked hard. And I think that combination creates some luck, right? What do they say about luck? Where intention meets practice, right? And I think when you, you know, you put those things together, you know, some, fortunately, some good things happened and we got an opportunity to move to Dubai in 2008 and three months before the financial crisis hit. So you can imagine the luck on that. I, I'd taken my wife and my one-year-old daughter at the time. All sorts of stuff hit the fan while we were there and we decided to stay on. 
and so I joined a practice there, then moved on to another business, joined a company called Talent2 with a guy called Andrew Banks uh, and his team, which was fantastic. He became a mentor of mine, and then I eventually set up Compass with two other people in uh, 2013. So we're coming up to our 10th year, um, actually running our business, which is a, a coaching business, which looks at leadership, performance, and career work globally clients, which has been great. Yeah, it sounds like quite the journey, Gadge. I was commenting before off air about your, your mantra. Can you just tell the listeners what it is and what it means to you? Yeah, I mean, I, I guess, you know, when you're going through your life, I mean, one of the things that I really find helpful for me are having some reminders, right, about why I'm doing the things that I'm doing. And that sense of purpose, I think a lot of us know, a lot of your listeners, yourself and, and myself have experienced this idea that when we're going through hardship, right, and difficulties and obstacles, you need to have something that propels you forward, right, that pushes you through. And for me, it's very much leaving a trail of happiness behind me, right? And that is very much my purpose. And so in everything that I do, whether it's my personal relationships with my family, my friends, whether and my wife and so forth, whether it's actually the work-related relationships that I have, um, I want to make sure every interaction I have leaves a trail of happiness, right? And that forces me to then look at what I'm offering in that situation. Am I bringing the best of myself, right, into that situation? And so that guides me in a lot of ways to how I should behave and how I should think, right? It's that classic uh, cycle, right? Your thoughts affect your feelings, your feelings affect your behavior, right? And that cycle continues. And so for me, it directs my thoughts, so then I get to choose how I feel and then I choose how I behave. So it's leaving that trail of happiness mate, in different ways. Yeah, look, I love that, Gaj. That's such a, a good mantra to live by. With this episode, really, what I want to do is help people that potentially haven't found their purpose in life. So can you share with us what sort of tools, strategies, process that you go through to really find what you want to do on this earth? Yeah, what a big question, man. I think we've got like 12 hours for this chat. <laughs> what <are> we? <laughs> and Gad, I've listened to a few of your podcasts, Gadge, and Gadge can certainly have a yarn, that's for sure. <laughs> <laughs> I'll take that as feedback that I need to become more concise. So let, let me uh, let me use that as an opportunity here. So look, one of the things, mate, is um, over time I've tried to construct a formula, right, of, of what I believe are really helpful aspects that we need to consider. Um, so the first is around this thing called motivated skills. And this is the idea, it's this intersection between what you're good at and what you enjoy doing, right? Um, and I always come across these experiences when we're doing a lot of the work with business schools that we work with. You know, when people around that sort of mid-30s range, right, something really interesting happens, right? We get to this point where we may have done something or gone into a career because we might be good at something. We might have initially been interested in it, right? But over time, things change, right? And we need to find a way of reconnecting with that or with choosing something else. And so when you go down the path of looking at your history, there are a lot of patterns in your life, right? You need to uncover those patterns. I mean, James, for yourself, right? You'll know the things that give you that sense of fulfillment because you're typically good at it and you enjoy doing it, right? And so when we look at our lives and we start connecting those dots together, there are patterns, Right. And when you understand the patterns, then you can use those patterns to help forecast or predict areas that will give you 
more happiness, more fulfillment, right, and alignment. So this is what we call motivated skills. Then we need to look at what actually drives you internally and externally. These are your motivators, right? We know the external motivators have a shelf life, usually around three to six months. So if someone says, look, I really want to get paid well for what I do, that's great, but that motivation typically wanes away after about six months. So those internal motivators, you know, for example, you know, finding a sense of fulfillment, collaborating with others and what that means to us, perhaps a sense of family, sense of um, exploration, further development, all of those things are internal motivators. But then we also need to look at what's actually important to us generally from a values perspective. Now, when we understand those three things, your motivated skills, what motivates you separately, and also your values, you can then have a look at, well, how do I use all those things to have a positive impact in the world? Because people don't pay you just to be motivated for yourself, right? You've got to do something to the world. You've got to add some value in the world. And that's what is that purpose or impact. And we don't just have one purpose, right? We have many purposes in our lives. And I think this is where sometimes, you know, I listen to podcasts and other people talking about, you know, find your purpose, you know, this one thing that's going to drive you. I've never met a single person that has one thing that drives them in their life. So this search for this magical purpose, I don't think that exists, right? I think you just got to accept that from my perspective, there are multiple things that will give you a sense of fulfillment. And so that means that you can kind of relax a little bit more rather than feeling pressured. Does that kind of resonate? Yeah, it really does. Look, Gadge, from speaking with you only for a short period of time, I feel like you're a guy that practices what you preach. So maybe for the audience, could you share how you break down your own purpose in each area of your life? Yeah, so Compass, our coaching business, I'll give you an example of that. I, I work in that part-time at the moment, right? I'll explain what I do the rest of the time. In our business, you know, we're working with high-performance individuals from a leadership perspective um, and also those who are trying to progress through the leadership journey and also looking at their careers and how they manage their careers, right? And we do that across educational institutions. So uh, we work with a number of the business schools like Harvard Education and INSEAD and London Business School and so forth. Then we do work in corporate and government institutions. And then we do work with sporting teams, right? So across those three areas, you need to know how to lead, right? Yourself and other people. You need to be able to manage your performance and others. And you need to think about where is all this going? Right? What is the purpose of all this for me, my family, those that are important to me? And so I wanted to make sure that I was involved in all three aspects because for me, that gives me a lot of fulfillment, right? And happiness there. Now, happiness can come from different ways, right? So compass helps. But the other part of it is also about creating opportunities for people. That gives me a lot of happiness too. So uh, we've just started a, a venture capital advisory business uh, based out of the Middle East that specifically works with founders. One of the things that I've been doing for the last sort of three or four years in particular is supporting young entrepreneurs and founders going through their you know pre-series A, series A, pre-series B, series B type funding. And it's a very lonely business. I mean, you know, you're running your own sort of uh, life and career <laughs> and businesses and podcasts and different things. It's lonely, right? I mean, you need to have support and people around you to help guide you. You don't have to do this journey on your own. And I think having that mental support for people, uh, that gives me a lot of happiness. Uh, it feeds my soul, and I'm hoping that I'm able to feed other people's souls, right, through the work that I do. Those two things really occupy most of my time. 
And we've got people, you know, at the moment, um, I've got a few challenges, uh, interesting challenges, uh, working with the four billionaires uh, at the moment. So individually, where are they in their lives? What do they want to be achieving? What's giving them the sense of purpose and impact? But also then for their companies, right, the institutions that they run, what does that mean for their people, right? As they sort of navigate in their own minds what they want to do, what is the sort of effects that then fall through right, for everybody else in their in their businesses? Sometimes, you know, these uh, individuals are running companies with 50,000, 100,000 employees, right? So you've got a significant impact there as well. So I get to balance all that. A lot of that feeds me in lots of ways. Um, and goes back to my purpose, leaving that trail. Oh, I love that, um, Gadge. So sometimes I find, you know, even talking with friends and obviously some of my listeners, that we are in a career and we've been in a career for quite some time, but we may want to be exploring other careers and, and potentially um, looking at connecting our passion with what we do in, in a more refined way. So have you got some advice for how people could practically, you know, pivot away from what they're doing into something that they're more passionate about or even potentially how they could just reinvigorate their passion for their career? Yeah, look, I think, James, there's a couple of things that people need to do. And I think when we create this into a system, it becomes more helpful for us, right? If these are just random ad hoc things that we do, it tends to be driven by the external world and not driven by us, right? So what I mean is that our locus of control shifts to an outside space, which means we're giving up our sense of control, right? So that means if we create a system, so for example, every six months, right, you sit down and just check, am I on track of what I envisage this role or this opportunity to provide me with, right? Is it in alignment still with my motivation, my values, that sense of motivated skills that we talked about. So it could be a very quick check just to make sure, you know, we're getting what we want, you know, from that experience and, we, and we're giving what we want. It also forces us to go and have a look outside to see where is the world right now? Has it shifted? Are my skills perhaps more required or less required than they were six months ago, right? And so that might mean I need to make sure I connect with my network effectively every six months. You know, the amount of people, James, that I meet that, are in jobs for three, four, five, sometimes 10 years. They've never really reconnected. Their heads are down. They're doing their work. They're really focused. And all of a sudden they come up for air and then they go, what am I doing? Right. The world has kind of moved and I feel like I'm in the same place. Um, and all of a sudden you've got to reconnect with people. You've got to almost have that what feels like a fake or ingenuine conversation, right? Inauthentic conversation with people. And so we can keep it more natural uh, by having a system, right, that allows us to just reconnecting with people. And we've got some wonderful resources, you know, like LinkedIn and so forth, where you can keep those regular contacts professionally going as well, right? So creating a system really helps. I think the second thing is then understanding or having the tools at your disposal, right, to be able to help you. So connection is good. Uh, having the right support base is also good. Um, you know, I've got a ex-military commando, a mate of mine, Bram, um, who runs, you know, a podcast as well. And he talks a lot about, you know, having a tribe around you, right? I mean, you've got a bit of a military background, right? So, you know, having your yeah. tribe around you is really super important because that tribe supports you, you know, when you're down, but also can feed you intellectually emotionally, everything else as well, right, to keep building and lifting you. And so that's important 
um, I think, for people as well, you know, to do that. I would say the third thing would be there's a one-third rule that exists when it comes to connecting with people and sort of your career and, and so forth. And this is really hard to do, but the idea is that you'd spend one-third of your time with people who are perhaps in a lower skill set than you. So you're developing them, you're improving them, you're supporting them, you're reinforcing the learning that you've had, right? Then you spend one-third of your time with your peers, your colleagues, people at similar level to you, same experiences, perhaps doesn't have to be the same age, but it could be you know, on a similar path and so forth, right? The hard part is spending one-third of your time with people who are more advanced than you are, right? And that is a massive investment of time. And so what I tend to find is that people might spend 2 to 5% of their time with those better than them. They might spend 70% of their time with people and their peers and colleagues similar you know, to them. And then maybe the rest of the time with those who are not as skilled. Now, the reason for that one third in that top area is it forces you to keep thinking differently. It forces you to keep up with the latest changes, which can have a massive impact on all the other groups. It can help you with your peers and your colleagues. It can help you with those, you know, that you are developing and improving and, and working with. So it has a cascading flow on effect. And so, you know, I love that in my mindset. And so for me, I've had to shift. I've had to prioritize my time and look at how many people I spend time with. Where am I adding value and where am I gaining value from my life? Um, so that's been an ongoing exercise as well. So I'd say those three things could be quite helpful. Yeah, that's that's great, Gad. So if I understand that correctly, so basically go go back to the drawing board and make sure that what you're doing is in line with your purpose and your value. And like you were alluding to, then make sure that you've got the right tribe, the right network, the right people to support you. And then further to that, applying that one third rule. And look, that really resonates with me. It, recently myself, I've um, increased my networking, mm. uh, which has obviously led me to being able to interview people like yourself through the podcast. So yeah, I completely completely resonate with that. And like you said, if we all did that and we all sort of paid it forward with our one third and then hung out with uh, you know, our peers and then obviously had one third allocated to people above us, we'd obviously all, you know, in theory, we should all be moving forward together. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Wouldn't that be uh, amazing, right? And it's not for everyone, yeah. right? Yeah. It's one of the yeah. things that I've learned is that sometimes people are just happy where they are. And that's okay. That's absolutely okay. And I think sometimes we just need to accept that all of us are on a different journey. Um, all of us um, have levels of stress and anxiety that we're willing to take on, positive and negative. And so I think each of us, though these are rules for me, these assumes, this assumes that you want to keep developing. You want to keep growing, right? You want to keep moving forward in a pace that is perhaps faster than the average sort of speed. But there are a lot of people who don't necessarily want to do that. And maybe they want to spend their time in other things, right? So I think we all need to also accept those things and find out how do they become happy and fulfilled in what they do and not feel left behind. So I think that's also important. Yeah, that's right, uh, Gadge. And we'll, we'll, we'll end the first episode there. But just before we do, Gadge, where can people find you if they want to um, link up with you or find more information about your message and your philosophy? 
Sure, James. So people can come to my LinkedIn. I think I, I, I post regularly um, on LinkedIn on you know topics like this. So you can find me at you know Gajravichandra there. Our website is Compass with a K, CompassConsultancy.com. So we tend to put a lot of our blogs and information and so forth there as well. Uh, I am on Insta. I'm not a massive uh, Insta uh, individual. I, I probably need to be more consistent, mate, on what I post there. And the same <laughs> with TikToks. Uh, my, my kids got me into TikTok, and <laughs> I started doing that with another uh, ex-student oh, uh, at one of the business schools. So I've been posting on that every now and again, mate. But I'd say LinkedIn, you know, for work-related career and performance stuff is probably the best choice. Uh, great. And um, we'll come back for our second episode with, with Gadge. And really what that second episode is all about is now that we do have a career that we're passionate about and we're very set on that career, um, it's all about how do we be the best at that. So um, until next time, thanks, Gadge. Thanks, James. Thanks for listening to the Holistic You podcast, where we inspire you with the confidence to live a happy, healthy and more balanced life. If you found today's content meaningful, please tag me in your stories or posts or follow me on Instagram. Like and subscribe and leave a five-star written review.